7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? Second annual Psycho Semantic Pride Month special. Woohoo! Yeah! Woo. We're gay! We're here! <laughs> we're queer! We're ready! <laughs> or the old go to, we're here! We're queer! Get used to it! <laughs> <laughs> the, the updated, we're here, we're queer, we're fabulous. Yes. That's what we buy snaps. But we are here to talk about the rules of attraction, and I'm sure that will just become so many side tangents. <laughs> the 2002 movie, not the 1980, was it 86 or 87 book? I think 87 for this one. Okay. Like, I have it over here in my book cabinet somewhere. But you got to go through, like, the last 30 copyright renewals before you find out when it actually came out. <laughs> yeah, because it came out, what, a couple years after um, Lesson Zero? Uh, Lesson Zero, yeah. Which was 85, so. which Darren and I just covered not that long ago on DD Clinic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I listened to that one, and I was like, oh, did I did I nominate the wrong movie because they just did Less Than Zero? <laughs> <laughs> I did read some uh, trivia that he was going to have those characters from Less Than Zero come back in this movie, but um, when, yeah. he was writing, when he was writing the script, it kind of just didn't fit. No, I agree. I don't think it would have fit, but I, 
I saw that. It was, what's the IMDb trivia? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think we probably all read the same trivia. Let's be honest yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get any special features with the digital copy that I bought. I have the DVD, but I can tell you I have not watched those special features in probably 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Right after you bought it. Yeah, exactly. I know that there is like the one on there that I was I did not understand at the time and now reading the uh, the trivia is that there's a carrot top commentary on there. What? Yeah, I know. I read something about that and I'm like, why? Just why? Why? It's just they wanted like, I don't know, he wanted something, he wanted it to be like Carrot Top watching the movie for the first time and just uh, kind of going off on doing his, you know, his show that he does and, you know, his shtick. Which crazy bit of trivia, Carrot Top is from the uh, city in Alabama where I grew up, so. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Hometown pride, right? Hometown pride. God, I cringe. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. Yeah. <laughs> was the commentary pre or post steroids carrot top you once made me an offer that i've never taken you up on that? that you said that anytime i wanted with no warning i could follow you into the bathroom with a cup and take an actual urine sample from you myself and have it tested for steroids oh absolutely yeah. Anytime, yeah. But oh, you never absol- went through a period of that at all? No, no. but I get people that ask me all the time because I was very, I just worked out like a crazy man, but yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Probably, probably free, right? I would think so. Just based on the time of when this movie came out and then when it came out on DVD. Yeah, could you imagine Carrot Top on, on like a, a big roid rage? Wouldn't that just be like <laughs> frightening? I mean, all, all, the, all the props that would come out, they would just get bigger and bigger and you would just keep hitting people with them. It would be awful. <laughs> Brings out Gallagher and smashes his head with a... Yeah. God, talk about horror in real life. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Related to horror in real life, we've got both hosts of Friday the 13th with us. Woo-hoo. Vanessa, thank you for coming back from last year and uh, the many other times you have stepped up to be my gay person. I, I know. You're choking gay. I have no problem with that. <laughs> now I feel like I'm passing a crown. Yeah. <laughs> At least sharing it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the sequel's like, got to have more. So now... Like at the end of taking Girls, bits of the TR and sharing it. Yeah, like in Mean Girls, yeah. <laughs> but I tried to do this for all the special months and history awareness months and everything like that. So if you're brand new to the show, this is our, our Pride Month special. And every Pride Month, I have at least one guest from the LGBTQ. Um, are there any new letters that I'm missing? Well, there are plenty of other letters. Uh, partly it depends on if you want to be academic or not. Yeah. But I generally limit it to LGBTQ. That's usually the way I go to. I mean, I know there's IA and, and all those, but right. listen, I, I don't need to spell the alphabet every time I talk about my community. So. <laughs> right, right. I think those, those letters are a good umbrella for all of us, really. Yeah. Okay. When you get down to it. Well, and I think it also pleases both, you know, the the academic community mm-hmm. enough, it, at least, as well as the general public who doesn't, who will stop listening at a certain point. Oh, sure. And you want them to pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really it's it's all messaging, right? I mean, we're we're talking to people um, that need to be sold a message in a lot of ways, and you know, I think um, especially when we think about the trajectory of of LGBT equality um, over over the last you know twenty years or so, 
it's really interesting to go back and look at rules of attraction and to see how LGBT issues were, were dealt with back then. Um, it's really not all that long ago either. It's, it, was, it was a really interesting, um, it was an interesting look at what it used to be like for folks, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, watching it this time and just being a little bit older, um, when this movie came out, I was a junior in high school, so it was very, like, formative for me. Um, but now watching it back, I'm like, this is kind of a mess of a movie that has mm-hmm. it has some great moments. It has some cringeworthy moments. It has some really nice, beautiful moments. And then it has kind of these <laughs> awful lines of dialogue <laughs> that I just oh can't God. get over. <laughs> I kind of think of the one, I think, what does he say? He says, like why can't I sleep with you and still be faithful to you or something like that towards the end of the movie? Just, just because I had some sex with someone else doesn't mean I can't be faithful to you. Was that it? Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. exactly. I will say that this, this is like, to me, when I watch uh, any movie based on a Brett Easton Ellis book, I think that this one represents how he writes the best because mm-hmm. he, the way he writes is all over the place. Like his chapters Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember reading um, The Informers, which is the book that came out, I think, right after this. And there's a random chapter thrown in there that's just about a, vam- a literal vampire. And I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I go back and forth with Brett Easton Ellis. I, I think that he has a lot of great ideas. I'm not sure that he always knows how to make a coherent story with it. Yeah, his books are hit and miss with me. I've actually never read this book. I had seen the movie before, but I think I saw it right after it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have read this book. Um, this one, The Informers, and American Psycho, I think, are the ones that I've read of his. Yeah, and I've only read American Psycho, Less Than Zero, and a bunch of his essay work. Yeah, I, I read American Psycho and I hated it. See, I really, I enjoyed American Psycho. That's I had read, let's see, Less Than Zero back in the, I guess, the late 80s, maybe, early 90s. And I'd read it again in a, a year or so later and then reread it recently for VD Clinic. I definitely didn't like it as much now, but he's definitely all over the place, even in American Psycho that I do like. Uh, but you could tell at that point he's just matured as a writer. Mm-hmm. Less Than Zero was his first work. I mean, his first novel. And it's it's short, which is fine, which it's fine. And that's what makes it the best thing about it (laughs) (laughs) so that you know you can kind of like go through it just quickly and it's not that big of a deal but I had told Darren I guess when this movie was first brought up that I'm like I saw this movie and I don't remember liking it it struck me as too homophobic Mm. and I'll go more into it a little bit later because my opinion my opinion has changed okay i did actually enjoy it upon rewatch there were some of it yes i enjoyed but there's absolutely that cringeworthy you're right best words for it (laughs) and so problematic i mean two minutes and two seconds in it's already getting rapey yeah literally rapey literally i I mean that's just and and this uh, this whole treatment of women and the idealization of virginity sex and romance and how we're supposed to fit into society i don't know i guess i've had it a lot on the brain and it's partly darren's fault partly my fault (laughs) (laughs) 
Because with VD Clinic, again, we did Liquid Sky <laughs> last month, which you had a female character rebelling against that. And then for our Pride special, we're reading Valley of the Dolls. Oh, God. And it's partly wow. talking about that. <laughs> so I'm just watching this last night, and I was kind of like, oh, I just kept getting in. <laughs> at certain points about this like shut up and the whole like this is how my virginity is supposed to be lost and mm-hmm. yada 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 and I'm like and I'm like is it because I'm a lesbian that I'm just like no I don't see that right, but like, right. no I didn't even think about like <laughs> you know being with a woman for the first time the same way like that same kind of bullshit whatever yeah there's definitely some there's definitely some tropes in here cold. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. There's a lot of that that really bothers me in this movie. And I know Brad Easton Ellis is often accused of being, a, you know, misogynist. Mm-hmm. Is he? Or, or is it just that certain moments or certain characters are? I don't know. Which goes back to my, is this homophobic? No, I think it's more certain characters and their actions are. Yeah. And I will say, uh, this is a far departure from this book. I mean, there are things that he takes out of it, but from what I remember, and I read this probably, oh gosh, probably right after the movie came out, because it probably sparked my interest uh, to go back and read the source material. But um, they take a lot of liberties with the gay characters in this movie. Um, in the book, I do believe that there is much more of a relationship between Sean and Paul. And in yeah. this movie, it's kind of seen as, as like an obsession. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because more often than not, I will notice something that could be used in the accusation of misogyny than I do in uh, anything homophobic coming from Ellis as per usual. I don't know. So the Paul character, I have a I have a slight problem here and and he at least is multifaceted and we see that he's flawed but he has these moments where he you know not so bad i just can't get past so much of him comes across as we've put in this this stereotypical predatory gay character Mm -hmm. and when it's not paul it's it's a lot of wincy mincing um, you know, gay guys like like when right. uh, when Raymond comes along and they have to get what's his face to the hospital later on in the movie. Yeah. Which, which which by the way, when the doctor comes along, that that's one of the best scenes of the movie. It's so <laughs> cool. Williams, but, I did not expect that. I did not yeah, right. expect him to pop up. But you know, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 like it's like it's one or the other here. So it's either Paul, who is like he has his perfect body, he does yoga, like, but he still smokes a pack of cigarettes a day, like. Or it's these wincy mincy like 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 sorts of folks, right. and right. somewhere in there isn't like any sort of realistic interpretation of of who LGBT people are, even back then. I mean, and, well, and I say back then, I know it's only sixteen years ago, but damn, it feels like back then, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I do want to go back to that that hospital scene. Like my favorite line is when he's like, "It's toe tag time in Teenville." <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. He's not dead. He hasn't got a pulse. There's no heartbeat. His pupils are fixed and dilated. Harry, please come back. Sorry, there's uh, there's nothing more I can do here. You have to it's do over. something. I've seen this honey art. Please fix him. Harry's gone bye-bye. Harry's gone to the big bye-bye. He's got his name in the papers on the back side. It's toe-tag time in Teenville tonight again. Teenville? You should have just said no, Harry. I'm not kidding, Ah. Yes, you are. Shut up. Actually, you don't have a pulse. I think you did. 
If you let me run a few tests, I could probably show you. You practice your buddy. That Harry is dead. You don't know what you're talking about. Come on, you test on Harry. I'm sure I could prove he's dead. I must insist you bring back your friend's corpse for me to do some tests. There are moments like that that are just priceless, that are great, just dark humor. And I like that kind of thing. You have in Ellis stories, but also Roger Avery wrote this screenplay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's written he's written some good things before. <laughs> he, he, he co-wrote Pulp Fiction, for God's sake. Right, and true, he worked on True Romance and some other, you know, like Tarantino stuff. It's- uh, an interesting thing about misogyny and Bretty Sinellis, do any of you read Donna's Heart? I, I read, a, what is it, Secret History and something else of hers. So, so yeah, so, so Secret History. Secret History is one of my favorite books. And when I was watching the movie again this morning, I was thinking, God, this is... This is sort of like the secret history. And so I just I just delved into it just a little bit. And sure enough, Donna Tartt and Brett Easton Ellis both went to Bennington College in Vermont. And uh, they, set, they set both of these stories basically at Bennington. Um, and of course, it's, it's Camden College in the Rules of Attraction, but it's Hampton College in the secret history. Yeah, and I, I have the book, and I, I, was, just, I was leafing through it this morning. I, I have uh, uh, the secret history with Donna Tartt. And actually, her in her acknowledgments, she starts it off with, for Brett Easton Ellis, whose generosity will never cease to warm my heart. I thought that was really interesting, coming from Donna Tart. Yeah. Do you think that we should synopsize this at all? Or <laughs> um, Boy, it's hard to synopsize. Yeah, I guess what uh, Lauren, Paul, and Sean Bateman are sort of in a love triangle at Camden College, New Hampshire. And like a decent amount of Ellis things, it's relatively well-off college kids bouncing into each other. Yeah, and with I also cocaine think and sex. Yeah, and I think it's also important to like say that you know this all happens just over the course of one semester, which is kind of crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah. They start with the end of the year party, and they do a little bit of the. Uh, I can't remember who directed the slacker movie where it'll randomly follow different people from the party. Yeah, and... that's a blink letter, right? Yes, yes, yes. It is funny, because I remember seeing this movie. Uh, this was the, one of the rare occasions that one of these kind of movies came to where I grew up, just because we didn't really get these, a lot of these, like, more limited movies. But um, I remember being like, you know, I'm so cool, because I saw the rules of attraction, and nobody else has. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is such an art film. You guys have no idea. <laughs> There's split screens and reverse photography. Right, exactly. And now I look at it and I'm like, it's almost like they're trying way too hard. <laughs> Lauren, who I forgot she was in this. I have seen the movie 40 Days and 40 Nights way too many times. And it's... Oh, God, yeah. Just... I have such a crush on her. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's so striking. Ever since I saw her in that movie Night's Tale with Heath Ledger. Oh, yeah. One of her first movies, yeah. The only part that I, like, always have a problem with her is her, like, burst out laughing is sometimes really off-putting. And I'm like, whoa, where is that coming (laughs) from? No, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Doesn't Nev Campbell do that? I don't know. (laughs) I haven't really thought about that. I haven't thought about Nev Campbell since, (laughs) like... (laughs) 
And she's, did you see that Nev Campbell is in that new uh, rock movie with, uh, it's called like Skyscraper or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> Nev Campbell. Oh. No, I don't know. And I, I totally forgot Jessica Biel and Kate Bosworth were in this. And I have to say, this is probably, this is a Jessica Biel performance that I actually like. Because I'm not a huge Agreed. fan of her. Agreed. But I'm... she, this, and she looks the best she's probably ever looked in this movie, in my personal gay opinion. <laughs> well, no, for... you absolutely. And let's not forget Faye fucking Dunaway is in this movie, for God's Thank sake. Thank you. And well, this... Kurtz. This movie is stacked. I mean, it's James Vanderbeek, Kip Bardu, Kate Bosworth. Fred uh, Savage. Fred, Sa- Kate, Fred Savage. Kate they get Fred Savage playing the clarinet. While that smoking. <laughs> who, who puts a cigarette in his belly button. It's, I know. It's but, and I, at the end of that scene, I love that the Sean character, he walks out and he swipes the book, A Hundred Years of Solitude. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Not something quote unquote, you know, like dollar wise valuable. It's just a book. You right. know? Yeah. Like, I love that. And did you notice that the uh the cabinet of Dr. Kiligari was on in the background? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I think Vanderbeek was what I would picture Patrick Bateman's brother to be like. Yeah, I I think that he does a really great job. There's just yeah. a couple of parts where his facial expressions are a little over the top. <laughs> True. I, yeah, I, I think if you know that they're connected in that way, then then it makes sense. I think if you mm. don't know that they're connected, then it's definitely a little bit of overacting. Yeah. Um, but if you know, then it really right. does. It's, right. it's totally contextual. And did you know that they they actually filmed scenes with uh, you know uh, the Bateman character, but they they cut him out of the movie, and it was supposed to be played by Casper Van Dien. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Can I point out that the guy playing um, Raymond also played Joel in "But I'm a Cheerleader"? Yes, oh. yes he did. He was so good. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was calling him "But I'm a Cheerleader" guy in my notes about yeah. the hospital scene. I'm Joel. I'm a Jew, and. Uh... Homosexual. I, Clifton Collins. Uh, I was just watching The Last yes. Castle the other day because I was watching Westworld the other other day, and <laughs> I, Clifton Collins as the crazy drug dealer. Is, I don't know. Oh, I don't think yeah, I've yeah. seen him in something I don't like him in. You know, he really is. And I, I was reading a couple of reviews of him in, in other in other films today. He really is a chameleon. He can just slide in. And play somebody, no matter how crazy or how deep or how nuanced they are. And he's he's really an amazing actor. He really is. Yeah, I think he's also part of why I watch uh, Mind Mind Hunters or whatever. Oh, I that. love Mind Hunter. Yeah, he was in Capote um, and brilliant in Capote. Brilliant in Capote. He really was. Yeah, I will say though, like if I had to take one storyline out of this movie, it would probably be the drug dealer storyline. <laughs> I always hate that. That would be just funny. yeah. It just takes me out of like the college atmosphere and like the the love triangle and all that stuff. Well, it 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 really is such a side story that you don't need it for this. Yeah, it's like why do you have this extra thing of the character? It doesn't add anything to the characters and their story. Yeah, well, and, and, I'm, and, and it's it's also just maybe a little too stereotypical. Like in the middle of right. New Hampshire, there happens to be this Coke, this Coke den with like a guy from Jamaica and like a coked out girl all, you know, all day long. Like right. Right. the only thing I could really think of was that maybe, and this is you just follow me, bear with me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the drug dealer thing was set up because it doesn't really affect anything else in the, in the movie, 
except for what's his name, uh, Thomas Ian Nichols, that was being all homophobic with uh, Paul. Yeah, I have some theories there, but we'll come back. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was some sort of comeuppance for him because he, you know, was scared shitless. But I really don't see unless there was more of that cut out too. It's too long of a setup for small payoff. I, it's weird. There's that part at the like Burning Man type party where where Paul's kind of like teasing him, yeah. and it almost plays off like they had like a some sort of drunken encounter at some point, yeah. and now he's like, "Stay away from me." But I, it's never fully explained. I just took no. it as definitely having happened. No, you can completely read it that way. I think. Same here. I agree. But you know, if, if the, the parts like that really do harken back to. Um, I think a time for um, for LGBT folks that maybe a lot of younger folk today don't necessarily really understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, th- I think, you know, especially like when I was in college, so I, I was in college from 2000 to 2004. So this is right. This is happening right when I was in college, too. And I remember, you know, I, I went to Indiana University. It's a big state school. It's huge. It's fun. It's a total party school, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there, it, being gay then was not cool yet. Like that's we weren't quite there. And very few people were actually out. And, you know, if you were attracted to people, you really did. Um, you did take a very physical risk in, in expressing uh, your desires to people. And so it was it was interesting to see that in this film really laid out. And I I, I wonder how younger LGBT people now would would look at that and would read that. And, and if they would have a glimpse into, and, and you know, what, what we had to go through was, was mild compared to previous generations. But I wonder how they would, how they would read that now. No, I, I agree with that because I went to college in Southern Alabama at a Jesuit college. Mm-hmm. And I, and I came out at 19 in the middle of college. Yeah. And um, this was 91 to 94. Wow. So it was very different. <laughs> Big time. My God, yes. Um, I There were instances where, I mean, my car was vandalized a lot. Because I was also very out politically. Yeah. And just to be anyone who was, like, I campaigned for Clinton's first election. That was, be, that was before I got disillusioned with that certain politician. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I digress. Um, but... I mean, I would regularly have my car vandalized and things like that. And but I would still go and speak at rallies for like LGBTQ rights down there and in Mississippi. There was one rally I know that we had like we had to have the the FBI there to protect it. We had I mean, I was spat upon and had things thrown at me. I mean, so I was and I was used to I mean, hearing whatever all the time anyway. Even just being by myself, but being with gay male friends of mine. Yeah. Because I, the way I look, I, I can quote unquote pass for straight, which in a way is like, thank goodness. I, I mean, I <laughs> recognize that, but it's, it, it gave me an extra sense of safety mm-hmm. down there. Sure. And I, but I know that other queer women down there who look more, you know, butch or androgynous couldn't i mean they had uh, they had a lot of like death threats and things and some had violence against them yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that i think growing up like i was always taught like you know if you're if you're gay 
you got to stay out of certain parts of the U.S. Basically, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Totally. No, that was one reason why I no longer live down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a reason why we all flock to the big cities. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a definite reason I'm in New York because even after I moved to Cincinnati and lived there for seven years, that was ridiculous. I was almost fired from a job because I was gay there. Jesus. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's too close to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Although Louisville's pretty fun. I will say that. Louisville's fun. Yeah. Although uh, Connections is no longer there. The very interesting gay bar. In, in Louisville. I, oh my God, Connections. That's a, that's a lot. I may have gone there at one point. <laughs> if, you, if you can remember walking through a warehouse basically full of mirrors, then you were probably there. Oh, okay. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> I, I definitely went there when I was probably too young to go there. And I was completely like... I couldn't even handle myself. I was like, this is too much. It's too much for me this early. I went to college in Southern Alabama and we were like two, two and a half hours away from New Orleans. So. Oh God. <laughs> and you can drink legally at 18 there. So. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, I think I think that these these are you know thinking about where we've been and, and where we're going and you know where it's where it's been okay to be in America and where it's not been okay to be in America as an LGBT person. It's, it's really important to think about right now because June is right around the corner and the Supreme Court will be delivering their um, their final decision on the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, case, which is the case that's going to decide whether or not folks can use uh, religion as a basis for discrimination against LGBT people um, in, in, their, in, their, in their private businesses. So we have a really interesting um, time ahead of us. And there's, there's really great commentary on both sides of the issue right now. And um, you know, there are a lot of uh, more liberal scholars, which of course I, I, uh, I read a lot more, um, where you know folks are folks are worried about how this decision is coming down, um, so it could be a, a very um, a very scary time ahead, and it's already pretty fucking scary. Fucking Gorsuch, right? Uh, Jesus. And what McConnell's talking about shortening or uh, eliminating the August break to uh, keep ramming through lower judicial appointments. Jesus. And also that has the extra benefit of not allowing some people to run for re-election in November as much or campaign. He's so horrible. Yeah, he's he's absolutely awful. And he's got an ugly face. I said it. He's ugly. <laughs> not Don't to be care. petty, but he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even partially handsome like Paul Ryan. <laughs> you know, I, I always think of Paul Ryan as the as the conservatives that I would just love to hate fuck, basically, you know, <laughs> can't stand them. But you know what? I'll hate fuck you once. It's fine. <laughs> just shut up. Keep your mouth shut the entire time. <laughs> I'll just we, give we, you a ball gag. Like, yeah, we, yeah. I, I think we, we may be writing the uh, the outline for a new Brett Easton Ellis book right now. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That was a nice little little tangent there. I was trying to think how to bring it back, but I was like, we're not coming back from this. <laughs> Where we were, I guess, early on in the movie, and we were talking about homophobia and college, it sort of seemed like earlier 
in the advancement, it was kind of like you're sharing a secret with somebody mm-hmm. and it's a really important secret to keep. And some people act aggressively sort of violent, uh, like the guy that Paul was hanging out with. Oh, you mean uh, the, the Hildu guy? Hildu. Yeah, the Hildu. <laughs> you want some E? And he's like, yeah, I want, let's go do some E in my room and I'll let you oh, I love when my he's stomach. Like... And... I love when he's like, uh, that song comes on. He's like, oh, I like this song. He's like, gay song. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, he's letting him rub his stomach and he leans into the kiss. And then I don't know what happened to trigger his basic homophobic response of shoving somebody down and like i'm not gay i'm gonna kill you it's it's a really awkward scene just based on you know there are a lot of times especially you know in a college environment where you're kind of like is this okay but the way that he reacts is just so over the top it's like we could have distinguished this pretty easy (laughs) well and even even if he were even if okay it he were gay. I mean, it, that doesn't matter. It's just a matter of consent. You're not into someone. There's a nice way to say, you know, I just, no, I'm not into you. Stop, please. Yeah. yeah and I think no. that's kind of where some of this movie it, fails a little bit is that the reactions you, are ridiculous. <laughs> right. You, you say it that way as a general, no, stop, please. I'm not into you. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying you have certain characters that, you know, either are homophobic or homo- have homophobic actions. Right. It is funny, too. They do this a lot in this movie where somebody, they'll show an extreme of uh, of someone's personality and then they'll be like, and they were, then they're now they're married to a senator or now he's a cum-guzzling gay yeah. guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, could you say cum-guzzling one more time, Andrew? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that soundbite out in there in the world. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll say it once more. Cum-guzzling. Happy Pride. Have a good one. it is funny too when uh i watched this when i was in high school uh, you know getting ready to go to college i was like is this what college is like i'm terrified well and then i look at it and i'm like what college is like that even in that year i know i graduated i was in college a decade prior but still what college is really like that i know Oh, well, this is this is Connecticut or New Hampshire? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the early to mid thousands, one of the times that uh, my band was on tour in the East Coast, we ended up going back to this weird, interesting, whatever college in Pennsylvania, somewhere near Philadelphia, Delaware, that area, and it they had coed dorms. Like this place seemed to be, although I think they are separate buildings, but yeah, they had co-ed dorms, co-ed bathrooms. You know, there was the room at the end of the hall that just had a refrigerator full of beer and a giant bong. (laughs) And, you know, people were just like, yeah, just come back and sleep in the game room. You'll be all right. And then I was in the shower in the morning and a bunch of girls came in and I was like, oh shit. And I threw on all my clothes and left. Um Uh, so I don't know that that's sort of what the, it was. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but it had a similar name. It was, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something that can, that can be said without someone's jaw moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the, or the lower jaw jutting right. out like this, uh, Precisely. upper crust. Anyway, that is the only college that I've been to 
that it reminded me of. Uh, Yeah, my college experience was not like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, considering the only class that they actually go to is canceled, um, I don't know, like... And it's on a Saturday? Was that, did I get that right? (laughs) Well, it wasn't even a class. It was, it was a tutorial. If I remember correctly, it was a tutorial on postmodern living or something like that. Which is giving your professor a blowjob and smoking. Yeah. yeah. When it was, that was the rescheduled. Yeah. Well, didn't she go to another class too, where it was like, um, my wife ran away with my TA, TA all classes are canceled. It was him. It was him. him. (laughs) Oh, it's the same guy. I did not. Saturday was supposed to be the makeup for that. Oh. And then the other in the evening where she gives him the blowjob is the makeup makeup. Yeah, uh, okay. I do like that scene quite a bit, though, that split between the two of them where they, mm-hmm. you know, they're each do- going about their morning routine. Except I don't know why we need to see uh, James Vanderbeek on the toilet taking a shit. But um, <laughs> apart from not. that, I, was, I, I thought that that was really uh, well done. And I liked how they kind of ended it with the, the split screen and then it kind of comes into one. It was kind of just a different, a different yeah. way of doing it. Instead of it being like a montage, I guess. Yeah, it sort of reminded me of Wes Anderson or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I will say, like, I, I remember this was a, a huge introduction to a lot of this music for me. We weren't, re- we didn't really have like Such a... Such 90s music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One that I want to throw out there is that, did you know that Mila Jovovich is on this uh, yes, song? Yes, I have that album. <laughs> oh, really? I did not know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, she sings the. I forget what the name of the song is, but it's she's it's playing in one of the dorm rooms. I think when it, Shannon Sossman is, is. Yeah, it's closer to the song. end. I can't remember the name of it either, but I still own the album. Yes. <laughs> gentleman who fell. Yes, yes. that's it. Or Thank gentleman, you. man. It's with an A. Gentleman. Yeah. yeah. From her album, The Divine Comedy, which is yes, what, exactly. What Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> No, the, the rest of the soundtrack is great. It's it's got the Cure, it's got Yaz, Blondie, the Go Go's. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really good shit in there. Yeah, it definitely diversified my uh, my taste at the time, just because we pretty much only had what came on the radio. That was all that we really were privy to. And my mom was a huge uh, '80s uh, fan, so we listened to basically everything from the '80s over and over again through my entire childhood. So I didn't know any new music. The one scene that I <laughs> is probably my favorite is when uh, Paul goes into the city to meet his mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Between between the hotel room scenes and the dinner scene, scene? and yeah, there's one moment that's probably um, one of my most quoted moments is where the two moms are they're cutting between Faith and the two moms at the dinner table, and uh, yeah. she's like she's like. Uh, do you do you want one of these these pills? And she's like, "What is it?" She's like, "Does it matter?" And she's like, "No." <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Paul, Paul, and Drunk Dick are upstairs. Did they take a shower in the book, or did they just goof around in their underwear? So I remember that. I don't think that they actually meet in the book. I want to say that he's just like someone that like he laments about. Like he is like a former, you know, kind of a first time type person. But it's it's told in flashback form, if I remember correctly. And it's not something together. that they actually like. Yeah, that they that they like experimented together at one time in their life. To be honest, it's kind of a mess of a book. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, from what I remember, maybe if I read it now, it would be a little different. But it. it uh, I remember not really caring for it as much. 
the second time I rewatched this, I noticed, you know how you sort of noticed that the the uh, letter writing girl mm-hmm. is in a lot of scenes and you sort of don't notice. Mm-hmm. Isn't Eric Stoltz putting the move on a different girl at every party? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. He's with like he's. Yeah. I think he's with Kate Bosworth at one point. He's like all over the place. God, he's yeah, so he gross. And he's got the sort of Irish accent when he talks, and he's listening to weird music. Okay, so I have to mention this as a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) (laughs) The scene where all of a sudden we have Lauren and the teacher, and he's like, come over, pats the couch, like, sit beside me, honey. And she's sitting there, she she goes over and sits beside him, like, she's chewing gum, like, Mm -hmm. chomping on it. And it's like obvious they're getting ready to have a blow, you know, have a blowjob. And I'm just like, get rid of the fucking gum. And <laughs> she's got the gum, and I'm like, spit the fucking gum out before you make out. Not yeah. all of a sudden, like my other side of my head thinks it, you know, pops in and says, oh, creepy teacher. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and then she gets rid of the gum by putting it on like the ancient artifact on the wall. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And she's saving it for later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You might need a fresh, uh, fresh piece of gum after. Oh my goodness! But that just—that's <laughs> a crazy pet peeve I have. Yeah. Like, why are you chomping your gum like that? But also, uh, you're going in for a kiss. Take out the gum immediately. <laughs> just put that juicy food away, honey. Right. Well, everybody's chain smoking through the whole movie, so she probably oh my God. like yeah, I'm in a but... government building. I have to chew gum. <laughs> Looking back at like older movies like this now, and this is, this is an older movie now, whatever. Like, the way that people smoke, god damn it makes you want a cigarette, like, right away. Because they just keep smoking. They really do. But the scene that comes after the blowjob scene is (laughs) the subject of my teenage fantasies. (laughs) So, (laughs) seeing uh, James Vanderbeek and uh, Ian Summerholder make out was basically... And I don't even know if it's really them, because the angle that they film it at, it really could have been any two guys' lips on the close-ups. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not, but now watching it this time, I'm like, did they even really kiss? Don't kill my fantasy, Andrew. Just, just <laughs> let it be. Let it be. I could swear that I read something where Vanderbeek said that it was them. I believe it was too. There was some sort of backlash from the Dawson's Creek Christian fans, and he's oh, like, God. get fucking over yourselves. Yeah, seriously. Right. But yeah, I don't want to gloss over uh, the, the girl, though, the um, the letter writing girl, because yeah, that, I mean, now having shows like uh, 13 Reasons Why, it, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. And uh, when you kind of see the whole story of how it all played out, you're like, and now that you now when you go back and watch it, you notice her in a lot of scenes. But at first, right. you she's such a throwaway character that you don't even recognize. And then afterwards, when she commits suicide, you, you as a viewer feel bad that you didn't notice her. Not only that the characters didn't notice her. That was one, that was one of the things that I I really dug about the movie was that it was thoughtful like that mm-hmm. or on purpose or accidentally. I, I, I lean more towards on purpose because seemed to be really into using the camera and split narratives to get the point across. So why does this is I I have a, I have a question <laughs> that I have like I'm racking my brain about but why does James Vanderbeek's character fake blood himself only because literally you know Shannon Sossman's character just found a girl that committed suicide why right. would you think it was funny 
to like have her find him as fake committing suicide. I don't understand this part. Well, my question is if he, so, I'm not even questioning that he, why he does that to begin with. My question was, did he know she was coming over and that's why he did it? Or did he just do it just for shits and giggles? Like he's just acting like crazy. <laughs> just acting crazy and for whoever come, you know, walks in first. I mean, he's a brother away from being a serial killer. Well, I guess exactly. that's true. <laughs> I mean, we do know that. But again, that's also, you have to be aware of the larger universe. Yeah, the larger shared Ellis universe. Because most of the things you don't really need to know, except for, like, we noticed with Less Than Zero, some of the characters bounce around, but they're basically throwaway characters, except for the the Bateman brothers. And yeah. they have the Rusty Pipes line in this one again, too. Right, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> And that's somebody named Paul. Scene where they're going back and forth, like quickly, you know, shooting the camera back and forth between the two of the two girls smoking, like snorting the cocaine. It is just this increasing intensity that I can imagine, like, just if you are in that coke fueled instant, like, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I thought that scene was really good too. Just the way that they kind of are like so erratic with their speech, it, it, mm-hmm. it, that works really well for me. <laughs> Combined with the camera work, it may—I mean—it just gets into that element of what it is actually like to snort cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-party, party prep, whatever was that before that party, or was that the dress to get screwed party? I don't uh, remember. I don't remember. I think it might have just been a Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I actually, I think it was the dress to get screwed party because they're talking about how she wants to lose her virginity to uh, Sean Bateman. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then her asshole roommate just goes and has sex with him, right? Well, that's kind of like, I mean, you're kind of led to believe that that's just kind of her character. She'll sleep with anything that moves. You know, she has sex with the whole football team. <laughs> like, right. And then I love when she walks in on him, like pulling up his pants, and he's like, "I only did it with her because I'm in love with you." And I'm like, that's not that's not sound logic. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how things work. Oh, and uh, one of the trivia's I did see is that uh, the image that he's looking at when there he's doing it with Jessica Biel is an actual image of her from her life that, and the girl that commits suicide, she was actually oh. in a band with and roommates with. Oh my god! Those scenes where they actually have like. It's pretty much any time that um, James Vanderbeek is having a sexual moment. I'm just like, your O faces are very strange. (laughs) Everybody, it's a brand new dance. Just grab your partner and take off your pants and you move your hips. To and fro when you're up and you're pumping when you're about to explode. Wow! Do the vinegar strokes. Your lip curls up. Do the vinegar strokes. You close one eye. Do the vinegar strokes. Your head tilts back. Do the vinegar strokes. Everybody grunts. Most of his faces are pretty strange when you look at his facial expressions. I, I gotta say that I think that uh, James Vanderbeek as an actor, uh, I think that he's doing probably some of his greatest work now that he's kind of accepted himself as a joke to himself. 
Like, I don't know if anybody watched uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I was just going to bring that up. I love that show. I know. I was so <laughs> sad that it was only two seasons. I know. I know. But he pretty much, like, played himself, and he pretty much made fun of himself the whole time, and it was oh the God. best thing he's ever done. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of, it's a goofy show, but it, once yeah. it settles into itself, it's, it's pretty self-referential and pretty funny. Well, well, while we've been chatting, I, I just, I, I was Googling Ian Summerholder hottest pictures. Um, and so I've been looking at those <laughs> while we've been talking, um, because it's another thing this movie did for me was it really reminded me of how fucking cute Ian Summerholder is. He's so <laughs> good looking in this movie. His eyes are like, they're a blessing to the entire world. And I just <laughs> to put that out there and there it is. I mean, I think he has, he, if I was going to watch one movie in this kind of like cast of characters, I think I would either want to watch the movie about, you know, Paul Denton or the movie about Victor. Like those would be the two movies I would want to watch. And Victor was like a That's the Victor scene is it's crazy. Yeah, it's like tr- the beginning of train spotting or something like that. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I guess he made a movie out of that footage called really? Gli- called Glitterama or Glitterati, sorry. Yeah. And but he never released it because it's got too many it cuz it's basically Kit Pardue going across Europe and like base you know really doing the things that he said he did and just kind of um seducing all of these women across Europe and hanging out with Paul Oakenfold and he shows it to select people, but he said because of the stuff that happens in that movie, he would never release it. Wow. Interesting. Like yeah. too much incrimination. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which also could Purdue another alum from uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, wow. I didn't put that together. Seeing that? He's uh, oh, uh, Mary, Mary's son. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, we get we get full on penis in this movie, which you don't really get very often. So, especially for back then, absolutely. Well, for as ma- and as for as mainstream as this movie was, too, you really didn't get it. Yeah, because this I remember this. I was thinking going into this movie that this was going to be a typical like teen comedy because it was marketed that way. That exactly. Uh, and then when you go into the movie, you're like, whoa, this is a lot deeper than what I was expecting, and I'm a little caught off guard. <laughs> Like, you would definitely never want to watch this movie with your parents. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it could be one of those movies that you saw come on HBO and you're like, oh, I heard this was a, you know, I saw that this was supposed to be like a funny teen movie. Let's all watch it. And then yeah. sitting down and being like, oh, my God, what have I done? We'll be right back with the second half. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. And I do like um, when uh, Lauren goes to visit Victor for the first time, the sign on the door says, uh, test came back positive, be careful. (laughs) Do you think he really didn't remember her or he was doing an extra douche move of pretending like he didn't remember because he didn't want to deal with her? Well, he mentions her in the whole rant he has about Europe, so he's got to remember. No, he did. He act, he's acting like that because he's got a girl in the room. Yeah, 
of course Jessica Biel's back there bouncing on the bed with a with a sucker in her mouth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he's acting like that because he's got a girl in the room and he's trying to get rid of her. He's being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's the one. You know, if I'm going to be a little shallow, he is the ugliest out of all of them. He shouldn't be able to act like the biggest asshole. (laughs) It's just because he's got like that guy. He wasn't even the one that she should have been pining over just based on looks, in my opinion. Like, seriously. I think he he represented like a a kind of person to her, like, you know, the drama guy with like the dreamy eyes and the world traveler and like that kind of thing. I get it. Theater was one of my majors. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But man, Jessica Biel is such a bitch in this movie. She asked yeah. Oh god, she betrays her like at every turn and like even at the dress to get screwed party, she's like, oh no, she's out of town. Like you have no chance with her. And I'm like, you bitch. Exactly. Minutes or hours between the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, sometimes they flash into people imagining what would happen. I I hope uh Sean punched her, kinda. Since it's a movie, is that is that bad? <laughs> well, they do that a lot in this movie, where they have like little cutaways of like people freaking out or like what they're thinking in their head, and so it, I guess it could be interpreted either either way. Yeah, right. I, I feel like if he actually punched her in the world of the movie, then he wouldn't just be chilling there at the party, right? You know, a lot more stuff would have gone down. I'm sure Lauren would have come out of her room. Campus security would have got him before uh, side story Clifton Collins shows up with his guys. <laughs> they beat him up. I imagine they still get no money because he... Because they're completely inept. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. Well, they, they keep giving him more and more drugs for thinking that he's going to do something different. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, they're obviously inept drug dealers. You know, the scene right after that where... Uh, Basically, Paul finds um, James Vanderbeek's character just kind of like sitting in the snow. Uh, and I think that James Vanderbeek is doing his best Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, I was like, oh, you just are acting like that. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll give it to you. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I don't know if I, this time I'm buying this this allegory of the single snowflake coming down and becoming the tear of James Vanderbeek's. It it just, it played so strange to me this time around. Was it supposed to be as if this is his first ever experience of emotion? Is that Mm. what it was supposed to be? Supposedly, I guess. Because he just walks around saying rock and roll instead of I have to return some videotapes. Oh, I do like the part where they're in the uh, going back where uh, Paul and him are in the in the room the next day after they like hung out and smoked pot. And he's going through his CDs and he's like 90 cent pop, 90 cent pop, 90 cent right. pop. <laughs> Watching porn in his room. Th- this is like this movie is kind of like in college <laughs> <laughs> that with uh, mostly my gay male friend, by the way, <laughs> explain a lot about me now. but. <laughs> But that's where I think, like, this movie, it's kind of like a, it's like a train wreck, kind of. Like, you, you, you're like, this. there's some stuff that's in here that's good, but it's kind of a jumbled old mess, you know? Yeah. Right. But I still like it, so. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't we cover on this movie before we move into the second part of the conversation? Well, the end. What? It, yeah. What? I don't understand. I don't really, okay, so are we supposed to tell 
that the beginning of the movie is if we continue on our route, this is what's going to happen. But if everyone takes a second to think about their emotions and make better decisions that they will not be raped or beat up or have sex with Kate Bosworth and instead he goes on a bike ride. It's, it's so, and then the end where it basically ends in the middle of a sentence. I, I, the ending always has confused me. The Sopranos ending. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's close to uh, Mike, this confession has meant nothing, you know, because we're not sure there's so many narrators in the movie. Right. That you're not sure who's telling the story. Mm-hmm. So what Vanderbeek says, I haven't. All I thought about was the journey right. starts playing and the screen goes black. Reverse movie credits. Also. I thought that was kind of a nice touch, you know. Yeah. I hope it's a forewarning. You know, think about it. Uh, it it wouldn't feel as much of a ripoff as the ending of Twilight. Um, <laughs> the fact that you know the ending to those movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them I, all, and I've seen them all with the riff tracks. And I know someone has made me sit through them, too. And, uh, yeah, Ugh, <laughs> I don't remember any. I tried to forget that shit. And the riff tracks are hilarious. Good. This is a ballad that I wrote just for you. I want to jump into your throat And watch you bleed out on the floor then I'll bathe myself in your life essence as you die. Tear your heart out of your chest and crack the bones and suck the marrow out. Slice into your brain for sandwiches and maybe have an omelet made of... Okay, thank you, Kevin. Very nice. I have more. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Oh, what a shame. The song's over. Because I hope then Sean doesn't die after drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels and riding his motorcycle off like James Dean. And I hope uh, Lauren doesn't get raped by the townie, (laughs) the townie that looks like Tim Uh, Robbins. So gross. Yeah. That's just, yeah. On camera. On camera. I mean, it's bad, but also having it be some guy's movie. Mm -hmm. Right. And I do feel now that like those inner like monologues that they all give at the beginning, I'm like, this is a little self-serving. It's a little over the top. (laughs) I think a lot of us have said there's some weak parts and some strong parts to this movie. And I would definitely be uh, curious to see what a fresh eye would, uh, how a fresh eye would perceive this movie, you know? Yeah. Especially nowadays. I think it was a, perfect choice for a pride month special because there is a lot to talk about in here uh andrew uh you you picked this movie i did uh, you want to lead us through that that choice process or was yeah it... okay sure so the the reason that i really picked this movie is because growing up where i grew up we didn't have access to a lot of um the newer media that was coming out you know we pretty much relied on Uh, watching all of our old VHS tapes over and over again. (laughs) And um, we didn't have cable or anything. So um, when I saw this movie was coming out and in the preview, they showed two guys in their underwear dancing on a bed together. I was like, I have to see this movie. I was not out at the time. (laughs) I, um, I wasn't out at the time. So any sort of gay storyline that I could find that was in a mainstream picture uh, I really sought out and this is one of the ones that you know when I was coming into my sexuality and getting ready to go to college 
um, this movie kind of just hit at the right time for me. And it depicted gay gay people, even though it depicted them in the same way that, you know, like a Will and Grace does or something like that, where it's very stereotypical. But it was at least representation and it was something that I was not used to seeing. And so that's kind of why I wanted to just talk about it and talk about, you know, kind of what were those kind of movies for the other people on the podcast. And yeah, that's kind of why I went down that road. I know everybody sort of touched on it a little bit when they first saw the movie, but does anybody else want to describe your world when you first saw this movie? Mm. I mean, I, I think we, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think really the only other, the only other movie that I can really remember being formative for me at, at that time was, was but I'm a cheerleader because that was what? 98, I think, but I'm a cheerleader. 99. 99. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think that that was, that was a really bold indie. Uh, it's still a great movie. I think, um, I think it was really important for LGBT people to have and to see. And, um, you know, I think um, it was a lot more indie, of course, than Rules of Attraction was. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, just like just like Andrew said, like, I think for a lot of people, uh, this was a really um, interesting piece uh, that had representation that gave us something to look at and think about. And uh, even if it wasn't necessarily what we wanted it to be, it was still something. It was still something there. And, you know, back then, I don't know, that sometimes that's all we could hope for in a lot of ways. Now, Vanessa, you first saw this and you were not a fan. And I don't know. It may have just, for whatever reason, I watched it and I clung on to the more, like I said, homophobic aspects of it. But that combined with the aspect of the Paul character that was fell into this stereotypical predatory gay, it, it just, I don't know, I wasn't a fan and then, of course, like the rape aspect. And I think maybe, I, you know, I just didn't give it a chance to some extent for because maybe I, it was just whatever mood I was in when I saw it. But I definitely think there are merits to the movie. I enjoyed it, actually, some <laughs> watching it this time. You still have to identify these other aspects. But I think the Paul character, while he is flawed and is portrayed somewhat, like I said, the stereotypical predatory gay, which I don't think was necessary. I mean, he, he's also someone you see, he's comfortable with his sexuality. He's, he's not, he doesn't seem like he's trying to prove anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. With it. Mm-hmm. Important as, point. as opposed to some of these other characters, even like the uh, Jessica Biel, quote unquote, slut character. She, it's like she's trying to prove so hard she's straight. Or something in a way sure like this is what's expected of me sexually or whatever i'm gonna play this very this this very specific role but you have the paul character who he's yes he's still trying to figure it out i mean that's partly the age of your life that's what partly that's partly what college is for right (laughs) (laughs) it definitely is of a specific era I think we've moved certainly past this in media representation, mainstream media representation. Yes, there, this life still exists out there. And it seemed, you know, at the time when I saw it, it did seem sort of uh, a step above the super stereotypical gay friend upstairs in... <laughs> um, right. 
that's just it is that looking in this whole history of queer cinema it wasn't as extreme as all these other things you did at least that's why i'm like saying at least the paul character is more three-dimensional yeah like look at the other gay characters in the movie Mm -hmm. they're the stereotypical mincing queens yeah for better or worse getting the vapors flapping hands right exactly that's that whatever that you'd seen for so many years it's not as you know maybe as extreme as la caja or something but (laughs) (laughs) we're not going that far back i i don't know there's still i think so many other options of things to watch if you want to see more positive representations of the lgbtq community I think movies and other mediums are getting a little bit better about not making someone's sexuality the main point of their character. Yeah. Right. Since this is uh, Pride Month, anything to check out? Festivities that you'd recommend? Uh, I know here in Columbus, there's going to be an alternative Pride out of uh, oh. pro- out of protest to the uh, reaction Columbus Stonewall had to the Black Pride 4. Nice. Uh, last summer. So good. Alternative Pride here in Columbus is the, it's a whole week long <laughs> of events, wow. but the actual, like, the park is uh, June 16th, if I'm uh, not mistaken. And I'll correct that if I'm wrong. But that's Saturday, the Saturday before yeah. Father's Day. Columbus Stonewall uh, testified for the prosecution at the trial for the Black Pride 4. So there's definitely been some... Yeah, that whole situation is just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I... the only way to put it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, it's very <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, I, I, think, I think in Chicago, when it comes to Pride, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. Um, the, the Pride Parade really hasn't changed. And I've actually, I've marched in the Pride Parade for the last, I think, God, like seven years now. Um, this year, I'm not sure if I'm going to. Uh, but it, it remains mostly the same. It still goes through, uh, through Lakeview. And if you're not familiar with Chicago, that's the part of town that we call Boys Town as well. And there, there is always an alternative march to, 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 to Pride. It's called the Dyke March. Um, and they have a lot more um, events that happen up in Andersonville, which is a neighborhood uh, actually pretty close to where Andrew and I both live. Um, and Andersonville is uh, it's it's always sort of been known as like um, the neighborhood for like the older LGBT folks. Andrew, would you agree? Yeah, it's kind of seen as like when you're ready to stop partying all the time and actually become an adult, you can go to Andersonville. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And, we know, no longer watch you in Boys Town, yeah. <laughs> irresponsible adults. Exactly. Um, you're, you're, you're too old for Scarlet, so get out of here. Yes. Um, but the, the, the Dyke March does offer some really interesting alternatives. Um, there, there was some controversy last year um, when um, there were some, um, some lesbian marchers in Dyke March who were marching with, uh, with uh, the flags of Israel, uh, with, with Israeli flags. And that turned into a big debacle. Um, and I don't think that that's really been settled yet. So I'm, I'm sure that there's probably still some, um, probably still some controversy around the, the, um, the organization of Dyke March. So we'll see how that goes this year. And you know, too, but like I was saying before, I really think that whatever happens with the Supreme Court, that's really gonna color how pride is celebrated across the country. 
Um, and I, I hope that the Supreme Court doesn't do what they do with these things and keep it till the end of the month. I hope that it's an early decision, get it out early in June, and let's let's just read this motherfucker and deal with it, whichever way it goes. Yeah, and for me, uh, you know, the Pride Parade here in Chicago, you know, I don't want to I don't want to disparage that because it's 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 a great thing that I think that we need to continue to show pride for. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of been hijacked by basically everyone from the suburbs coming down and having an excuse to get drunk in the street. So it, it's not something that I usually participate in. Um, my idea of pride is really just making sure that I am with my friends and with my husband and showing that kind of pride and you know showing that we are a family unit between our friends and family and showing that in a different way than like actually going to the uh, the parade. But I will say that this weekend we are in IML weekend, which is International Man of Leather, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is an interesting thing to say the least. Uh, it's basically that community getting together and having a, a big convention and then um, kind of running the streets of Boys Town and Andersonville and within lots of interesting costumes. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a it's it's something definitely if you are a part of that community it's probably really great um, but it's also something that is very interesting to see what you're gonna run into basically oh yeah, oh, yeah. and I that. will say that um, that that with the International Man of Leather you know for those participating in that I, I do want to make sure that you know people out there understand that, you know, no is no. And, you know, touching is a thing that you need to ask about before doing. Uh, I think that that's kind of runs rampant in that, in that community. Um, and we need to make sure that we address that too. Yeah. We, we actually, we, we talked about this on the last episode of, of Frage, um, about, about consent and about, um, even thinking about consent in terms of just like being in a bar. And, and, and in this case, we were talking specifically about gay bars and just how, um, how folks really just feel privileged to touch whoever they want to touch, and and that really is something that um, that that does need to be addressed, like, like you just said. And the other thing that I would encourage people out there to do is, if you're not comfortable being touched, make sure that you say something, and make sure that you say something to a bartender or to um, or to the owner if you can, to anybody in some sort of like authority position in the place where you are say something and and get that person removed if you possibly can and, and if you're safe to do so um because this is about the time when these things really start to ramp up it's summer and people want to go out and have fun and unfortunately that also means that people are going to be total assholes so look out for yourself stay safe watch your fucking drinks and if you're uncomfortable move get out don't don't stay it's not worth it very well said I think the funniest one, if if I can call it funny, uh, was somebody came up behind me and grabbed my butt with both hands and said, just go with it. Uh, <laughs> and I I cracked up laughing. And I said, it's terrible but hysterical at the same time. Yeah, I was like, thank you, but you're barking up the wrong tree, pal. And, uh, you know, he came back around a little bit later and I was hanging out with my girlfriend he sort of gave me a nasty look and left. It didn't happen too often. I mean, I'm not a very attractive person, but it, <laughs> it does happen occasionally. But yeah, especially the hotter it gets, the more 
horny everyone seems to tend to get. Everybody's taken off more clothes. But yeah, consent is big. Um, I've been trying to do this a little bit more, and I'm not necessarily saying that we have to end the conversation now, but I wanted to point out like a group or a charity. I think I did them last year, but the Kaleidoscope Youth Center here in Columbus Mm. is... Very big on outreach, very big on outreach to the youth. Uh, they have a lot of programs, and I've only heard good things coming out of them. But yeah, the Kaleidoscope Youth Center here in Columbus, Ohio. I know sometimes the show can go four hours, and sometimes it can go an hour and a half. I was, does anybody have anything that they want to add before we say, see you next time? <laughs> well, I, I, I just want to say thanks. This was This was so much fun. Um, so thank you for having us on, especially as, as Andrew and I are, are new with Friday the 13th, still fairly new. Um, and I also just want to say thanks to everybody in Legion podcasts. It's, it's such a great group to be a part of. Everyone is so supportive and helpful and like just really awesome. So I just, just want to say thanks to you, Darren, and to Vanessa, of course, for being with us today. It's, it's so much fun. I love it. It's great. You should say something to the, uh, the poor unfortunates that have yet to know about your show. Oh my God, they are poor and unfortunate. Um, Andrew, do, do, do you want to take it? Sure. Um, yeah, we have uh, our our own podcast. Uh, myself and Maddie uh, called Friday the Thirteenth, where we take a look at um, different horrors in real life uh, that can range from the horror of politics to the horror of you know serial killers or real crime um, and then we usually cut we try to um, come up with a theme and pair some movies with that um, some horror movies uh, in our last episode we covered women overall and kind of their struggle and the me too moment and uh, that those those types of things and we paired it with the 90s classics maybe uh single white female and uh the hand that rocks the cradle hell yeah and you've got a facebook page fried gave yeah 15th. we are on we're on facebook uh we just started twitter uh i'm still this is gonna make like make me sound very old but I, i'm still learning that that platform uh <laughs> it, it's kind of a fever dream when i look at it i'm like it is. everyone is just spewing so much information all at once and i it's hard for me to keep track of but I, i'm starting to uh get the hang of it so we'll, we're on there um, and then we're also, if you do not have Apple podcasts, we are now on Stitcher and SoundCloud for, for those on Android devices. I think Vanessa, did you have, I think you chimed in for a second there. Did you have something? Yeah, actually I have a couple things to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I'm, we have nowhere to be. So if there's more to talk about, I'm totally in. Yeah. Totally. Well, no, I, I, uh, nothing more about the film, but um, I did want to say, actually, you guys, that last episode you did, thank you, thank you. You did, you've been doing a great and fantastic job, and I keep meaning to leave an iTunes review. Uh, <laughs> I'm really thank enjoying the show. But you. your last episode was pretty awesome. I mean, I enjoyed the movies, but your discussion about consent and everything, I thought that was not only important to have the discussion, but I think it was very eloquent, um, and it didn't come across preachy, which I know some people get worried about (laughs) (laughs) you guys are doing a great job and so i really enjoyed that for the listeners i actually wanted to recommend a book (laughs) which darren i totally forgot about this book the other day if someone is actually looking for other portrayals and older portrayals of gays in cinema where 
um, a place to start as far as like queer film history. Uh, if you get the book, The Lavender Screen, mm-hmm. uh, it's by Boz Hadley. That's B-O-Z-E. And then Hadley is H-A-D-L-E-I-G-H. It's actually one of the first queer cinema books that I picked up and has some great things in there that, I mean, as far as films that I've discovered over the years. If someone is yeah looking for representation, these these other things are out there. That's cool. And, and you can that. see what it was like in other eras. Written in 1993 or published in 1993. Yeah, I got it when I was in college. I, I mean, I think that's always important for us to see where we've come from <laughs> in, as far as yeah. <laughs> we are now. I mean, things are not necessarily great for us right now where we have all these different cases in the courts and you know, LGBTQ, you know, violence and bias is up, unfortunately. We still have come a long way. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say even in, especially in the horror community, I mean, you don't see, you don't see a lot of representation. Usually if it is, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the, you know, the, the gay best friend who dies first. You know what I mean? Right. I'm looking at you, Cherry Falls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was such a crazy movie to cover. <laughs> Holy hi. But yeah, I, I agree with everything Vanessa just said. I mean, it's really important to pay homage to the history that shaped the way we are able to live now. Yep. Um, and I think that there are a lot of new generations that just take it kind of for granted and just, right. you know, they only grew up with the acceptance that's already in place and they didn't have to go through a lot of the same things that even, you know, myself and Maddie's generation went through, you know, I, I I was, I've been called a fag my entire life. It's, it's, and it's something that, you know, it's getting better, but I think that this generation really needs to sit down and do a little history on this because those are the people that you need to shake hands with and, you know, and uh, give a little bit of thanks to for the life that you have now. Right. We just had Harvey Milk Day not too long ago. Yeah. Cleve is still, He's still always doing something. Doing something, yes. yeah. And I'm hoping that the representation will continue to evolve, too. I think we're still falling into a lot of um, stereotypical roles. Um, you know, yeah. this this revival of Will and Grace, they really had a chance to, I think, evolve those characters a little bit. And it's just more of the same. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and then, you know, in... I have a really... I don't know if you guys are watching the new Roseanne. Um, I've watched some of it. I haven't. It, I watched the first two episodes and um, the second episode was dealing with not specifically trans issues, yeah. but you know, it was, it was in, in gender nonconformity. Yeah. And the way that they ham fisted that into that show, just, it feels so forced was that it they're bad? like, what's that? Yeah. Was it bad? It just was like forced. Everything is just like, no, look, Roseanne's not a crazy right wing Republican. She can still have, you know, really good conversations with a child that's going through some gender issues. And I was yeah. just like, no, this is not real. Like, you're just doing this to appease an audience that doesn't really want to watch your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely how I felt about that. And, you know, I think we're getting better, um, better and better. 
but I think we have to continue to show that we um, we want things like um, Love, Simon. We want things, you know, like that, and we want representation. I think we have to show it in our pocketbook, just like everything else in this in this damn exactly. country. Exactly. <laughs> and go out and support those things. But when corporations are people, mm-hmm. we are the poorest corporations. Exactly. I and I wanted to um, just you're talking about organizations to support um, one of the organizations that I uh, periodically work with is the Sylvia Rivera Law Project that serves the trans and gender non-conforming yes. community. So I will be with them on <laughs> protesting on the Trans Day of Action at the beginning of Pride Weekend here in New York. That's fantastic. And that was the debt was the, this is this is what okay a protest geek I am this is what my friend told me I'm a protest geek <laughs> that the day the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage you know and there was a massive protest down at Stonewall I mean or like press conference down at Stonewall I had already was scheduled for the Trans Day of Action and the march and we were supposed to go right past there and they diverted us and there ended up being this whole big ordeal. But my friends text me, he's like, why are you protesting today? Like, you should be celebrating. This is, you've been working for gay marriage. I'm like, that's only one minor issue. Yeah, exactly. Really, we've got so many other things. And that's what, that's one thing I also want to stress is that there are so many different aspects of, like issues that are facing the LGBTQ community and gay marriage. That was, yeah, that was one victory, but that was, you you can still be kicked out of your house. You can still Mm -hmm. be fired from your job. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, (laughs) there's still the same dumb bullshit being said about gay teachers. Exactly. 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 Like, I mean, there's so many other things you possibly can't have even a cake made for you. Like, Really, how petty is that? Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, have you met most people? <laughs> are you? How petty and bigoted are you that you, whatever? I just, I can't I, be part I, of you being happy. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. And I and will... you can't even argue to them. Like, say, well, aren't you a capitalist and don't you want the money? Like, just mm-hmm. take the money. Yeah, I, I will say even when we when we were thinking about starting this show, uh, the Friday show, um, I definitely had reservations because, you know, this is you putting yourself out there into the world and the world right. can sometimes not be so nice. And so um, right. luckily we've had ton of we've had a ton of support and we've only oh, only yeah. had we've really only had a few people that were either a handful con- of trolls. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had I, I, there's just one little story we we basically for our first episode and i gotta gotta stop saying basically so much that's what i always <laughs> tell myself in my, in my listen back um, we all have our thing yeah and we put our first episode out there into the world and for that specific one we did a paid post because we wanted to kind of you know, see what we could get from that. Um, so I put like 10 bucks towards it on Facebook. It was nothing extreme. And um, it was so funny. We had one middle-aged mom that was basically, yeah, right. <laughs> she basically uh, said, why am I being advertised this? Please remove me. <laughs> and I have I didn't know how to react to her. Yeah, well, if that, if she wants to say that, I want to say the Church of Scientology. Why are you popping up on my feed? Yeah. <laughs> like I have no interest. <laughs> I got something for Mormon wives at one point, and I'm oh like, my God. What the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, as a 30-something gay man, I pretty much only get advertised uh, underwear now. That's pretty much everything that's on my Facebook feed. Oh, it is underwear ads all day long. I'm not complaining. Oh, God. I don't know how someone can own so much underwear. (laughs) (laughs) I will say for our next episode of Friday the 13th, I think we've pretty much ironed out what we're going to do. I think that we are going to do, obviously, gay stuff. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, I think we're going to talk about kind of our personal coming out stories and then also talk about um, the politics of what's going on. And if the the ruling has happened by that point, we'll obviously talk about that. But I think there's a ton to talk about. And oh, I think yeah. we've we've touched on it a lot here. So it'll probably be a little bit of a little bit of both. But um, and then for the movies, I think we have decided that we're going to do Hellbent, which is a, a gay slasher movie. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen, seen that. I movie. like that movie. I like yeah. that movie. That's and I don't think Maddie's ever seen it. I haven't, not yet. It's been ages since I, I actually was writing movie reviews for a lesbian magazine at the time, and I got sent that movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, I, I remember it fondly. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but we'll, we'll give it a rewatch. Um, and then also we're going to pair that with um, Stranger by the Lake, which I don't know if anybody's seen. It's familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. Ooh, if you haven't, it's so good. It's a, it's, it's a French film. Um, and it has, it's, it's all about uh, this lake in France where men go to meet each other to have sex and where also murders start happening. So it's a really, um, it's a really delicate film given, given its, um, given its focus. Uh, it's absolutely like beautiful. It's shot so beautifully. And it is also, Duncan and Bo covered that movie. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and it's uh, it's it's genuinely scary, especially if you live mm-hmm. alone. Um, it scared the fuck out of me. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a good one. What's it called? And again? then I think that Stranger, Stranger by, by the Lake. The lake. Yeah. By okay. The, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore. I remember seeing it on there. Um, and then I think that just because it's coming out, we're gonna throw a, a Hereditary uh, review in there, just because. Oh, we have to. Do. I think we're both pretty excited to see that movie and it's timely. So nothing to do with, well, I don't know. Maybe there is a gay storyline in there. I have no idea, but (laughs) we'll see. Sorry. There's a helicopter or something out there. I don't know if you can hear it coming through my mic. Barely. They're coming for you, Darren. They found me. They've been listening. They finally have decided to come for you. Yeah. That's the issue with all of us uh, recording from like urban settings is that there's constant ambulances and police cars and more <laughs> radiators. Yeah, I, want, I think it was whenever one of our first episodes, Maddie's radiators were a little loud. So it's very, there's like this constant whistle in the background. And if you don't know what that is, you're probably like, there's a horrible noise coming from the evil box underneath the window. It sounds like this. <sighs> It's, uh, it's, it's not evil, buddy. It's, uh, it's radiator, and the heat makes noise when it comes on. No, it doesn't. It, it's very evil. It's scary to look at. It's, okay, going <laughs> no, no, it's actually just that my radiators sound like the fucking Polar Express coming through. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I will say, I think we, we called it out on our women's episode, but, you know, the representation of women and uh, people of different ways, the walks of life on Legion is is, is really great, and I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that network. Absolutely, me too. I get to bounce around and get, you know, you'll get recurring voices, but I get to have a lot of different voices and a lot of 
great conversations. I still haven't had a conversation with somebody that I don't get along with, but yeah, that could be down the road, some sort of debate, but there can be a good debate amongst friends. And we've all uh, interpreted the movie in our own ways based on Mm -hmm. our own experiences. And Uh, Vanessa, I'm curious, did you have any uh, like hesitation on getting into this, you know, doing stuff about horror and that kind of stuff just based upon the inclusivity level of women on these types of shows no i didn't i i actually was very anxious to do it i mean i've always been or a horror fan and the fact that devour asked me to be um to replace david i mean i'm very flattered for one i mean i listened to them for so long anyway and, and jamie's done an amazing job but yeah i mean i to have another female voice for the horror community, you know, or just out there. Yeah. Because yeah. we have, to, and, and, and then to be, I mean, and I can also bring the fact that there's a queer voice now on that show as well. Mm-hmm. That gives another aspect because you, you don't have a lot of queer voices out there anyway. And I'm using queer in, as a word right now as the general LGBTQ yeah. term. Uh, short as a shorthand you don't have that a lot in the horror community either yeah so i was very happy that i mean everybody has their own individual experience obviously i know i don't speak for every lesbian who is or you know or bi female who's a horror fan i know that but you know there's definitely certain things that we have shared Definitely. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I've, I've, I also have listened to Devour for a number of years and um, have a, have a great friendship with David too. But uh, the way that you coming on there has really evolved and uh, not saying for a better or for worse, but just evolved it into a new sound and a new way of thinking is really refreshing. And I really enjoy listening to you guys uh, whenever, you know, your episodes come out. Thank you. I, I'm still, I, I'm still, you know, it's still noon. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> we haven't recorded a lot, a lot yet. Yeah, and Bo was kind of just this, this evil genius of <laughs> this whole thing. And <laughs> right, exactly. Hi, Bo, if you're listening, thank you all uh, for coming here. And as film fans and literature fans, and as members of LGBTQ community. But yeah, this this was a great talk and I'm glad we this show will often skew towards the depressing and I just love that I never know what kind of movie I'm going to do from show to show and I thank you all who are brave enough to come on here and chat with me depending on what wretched thing is going on in the world and since I think we made the entire episode without bringing him up, should we say fuck Trump or <laughs> Fuck, fuck Mike him. Pence. Fuck him too. Fuck all you bastards that said you're friends of all the communities that you're oppressing right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy yeah. still left in this world. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's it's my favorite when I'm like, no, I, I support you, but I, I just can't I can't do that. I can't vote that way. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> well, then you're not really my friend. Exactly. Right. Oh gosh. So register to vote make sure you're registered to vote if you've moved recently check to make sure that that doesn't need to be changed um hopefully go work as a poll worker i got i got an election coming up sorry here in new york (laughs) (laughs) couple weeks we've got another 
special election of some sorts coming up here in August, but everyone, wherever you are, has a lot going on in November. A whole mm-hmm. lot. So Definitely. Chances are, if you're listening to this show, you are registered, but I just like to throw that out there. And, you know, maybe if you're one of the people that I've talked to that don't vote as a sign of protest, I've said it before, but it feels a little bit more like acquiescence rather than protest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't vote, you can't bitch. Lessons from this movie. Oh, God. <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for those rusty pipes. Oh, um, my God. There's a lot of assholes. Make sure that you give everyone a chance, even if you don't even if you don't agree with them, or even if you don't see them the first time. You know, everyone deserves to be seen. Get to know the people you can know. Get to know the people you can know. Allow yourself to know people in general. Mm, mm. Just be, allow yourself to be open. Rock and roll, everybody. Duck and cover. <laughs> yes, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Uh, rock and roll. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. I gotta have faith. Mm, I gotta have faith.